Welcome to another episode of our podcast series where we share with you about new bond issues and hold discussions on the fixed income market. I'm Sarah Chia on Bond Supermart, an online platform that provides you with information on bonds, transparent prices, tools and research at your fingertips. Over the past month, we've seen airlines going bankrupt, being bailed out and some still left high and dry waiting for governments or private investors to provide them with some much needed liquidity. Today, I have with me Linda Lin. Fixed Income Analyst from the Bond Supermart team at IFAS Singapore. One of the industries that Linda specializes in is aviation. Almost a quarter ago, Linda wrote an article about airlines who will spread their wings even through these tough times. Linda, could you tell us more about your article? Yes, we have written on aviation as the widely spread coronavirus has caught most airlines unprepared with the sudden introduction of travel restrictions. Travel demand collapsed and airlines are struggling to generate cash flows to keep operations going. Corporate borrowing costs for airlines have risen, as airline bond yields have spiked to the level that is last seen in the 2008 Greek financial crisis, with some high-yield airline bonds generating returns as high as more than 15%. Could you share more about why you think, while we expected the financials to be healthy, it actually turned out otherwise? In the pre-COVID-19 days, we expect airlines to build up their financial strength due to an overall burgeoning travel demand. It turned out otherwise because airlines faced tremendous cost pressures from all quarters, including heavy fleet maintenance, fuel, etc., which have all been eating into otherwise well-managed profit margins that healthy travel growth has painted. For us to get a better picture of the global impact brought by the pandemic, do you have any figures for us? Like, uh, how many airlines are there in the world before the pandemic? And since then, how many have gone into administration? How many have been billed out and how many are really still left waiting? To my research, there's roughly about 300 airlines, including commercial, jet, uh, commercial jets and low-cost carriers in the world. And many of them are on the verge of a financial collapse. Some even actually fought for bankruptcy protections, seeking to restructure their debt while striving to fly. This happens across the world from regional carriers to global airlines, including Transit Airlines in the States. Flybe in the UK, Virgin Australia, and Latin America Argentina Avianca Airlines based in Colombia. And over in Asia, we have seen Thai Airways and Garuda Indonesia running into a financially distressed um, situation and actually really struggling to pay off their debts. There are also ones that have fortunately been built up by governments with substantial amounts such as the Singapore Airlines, Cathay Pacific Airways, Qantas Australia and Lufthansa Airways, and as well as in France, Air France KLM. There are also ones that is currently in talks um, for help, such as Asia-Pacific's leading low-cost career Air Asia in um, Malaysia-based, as well as Portugal's TAP airline. Within your article, you recommended Cathay Pacific and Singapore Airlines. Help us understand how you narrowed it down to these two companies. What about them strikes you as being so resilient compared to the rest? As I covered the overall aviation industry, I took notice of several other airlines that managed to secure bailout packages in the early stages. And that actually helped to provide a reference and basis in narrowing down to these two airlines, which is Cathay Pacific and Singapore Airlines. These examples have suggested that um, the possibility and extent of state financial needs are, to, are not to be assumed, but actually to be examined on a case-by-case basis. And the possibility of a bailout package often, as we have seen, depends on state relationships with the airline, the extent of their strategic importance to the economy, 
and the airline itself having a track record of financial discipline prior to the outbreaks. Well, very thankfully in Asia, Singapore Airlines and Cathay Pacific Airlines appears to display such criteria. For Singapore Airlines in particular, Singapore's sovereign wealth fund Tomasic Holdings already has 56% ownership in the company before the crisis. The group recently received about um, 9 billion of bailout packages in the form of fresh issuance and convertible bonds that is actually backed by government undertakings. Well, for Cathay Pacific Airlines, the recently whooping um, 39 billion Hong Kong dollars bailout that is backed by the Hong Kong government is actually more than Cathay Pacific's market capitalization just before the announcement and has actually invited state ownerships of around 6% into the company. And this is an unprecedented package offered by the Hong Kong government. Both airlines, Singapore Airlines and Cathay Pacific, is financially healthy before the crisis. And that, um, and actually, there are many areas that actually tell us so. Based on our estimation, Singapore Airlines and Cathay, Cathay Pacific generated operating earnings that were able to cover more than five times of their interest expenses in the years prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. The idea of carers being government-backed, that seems like the best bet. But if a government doesn't step in, then what's in Nick's best choice? Well, without government support, many airlines will actually face a financial collapse in a very serious scenario. Other than government support, I also think that airlines may also seek shareholder support, bank finances, or opt for sale and leaseback of their aircrafts as an attempt to provide liquidity as far as possible. Um, there are many common moves that helps to preserve liquidity, including reducing manpower cost, delaying aircraft deliveries, and cancelling new orders. However, this move actually is very weak compared to receiving of direct government support. So therefore, at this moment, I think it's very crucial that um, airlines who are facing liquidity stress at the moment, that they receive um, state support. And this actually remains a key factor in helping the airline to survive through the eventual recovery of travel demand, in my opinion. Thanks for sharing on that. Now back to what you mentioned about uh, Singapore Airlines rights issuance. There was an option for investors to actually purchase mandatory convertible bonds. They issued approximately $3.5 billion in bonds for this. However, these bonds offer zero coupon, and at the end of the 10-year maturity, investors don't receive the cash immediately. The par value of the bonds are converted based on a specific rate into stocks. From the perspective of an investor, um, this doesn't sound particularly exciting to me. But what do you make of this? Do you have any numbers on what the take-up rate has been like? Oh well, yes, um, Singapore Airlines raised about, like you said, $3.5 billion through the RMCBs, the Rights Mandatory Convertible Bonds, on the basis of 295 um, Rights MCBs for every 100 existing shares at $1 for each right. The rights are renounceable, which means that shareholders who subscribe for the RMCBs can sell the rights in the market. The initial conversion price is um, $484 Singapore dollars, represents about 10% premium to the theoretical x rights price. The RMCBs carry zero coupon and is callable at every distribution date semi-annually. I think while it doesn't really sound particularly exciting, the overall transaction is actually credit positive um, for existing bondholders because equity holders are helping to provide the financial relief or taking a big hit from um, dilution of their existing shareholdings. As for investors who are thinking to invest into the RCMBS, it really doesn't seem like a terrific deal, and that has reflected in its take-up rate. Out of the 3.5 billion um, principal amount of rights MCBs, 
there is only about 59.6% of acceptances, of which more than half was attributed to Tamasic's prorata and time determinant of the subscription. The remaining unsubscribed rights on MCBs will also be taken up by Tamasic. Even with the low take-up rate for the convertible bonds, it seems like uh, Singapore Airlines has gotten the funding it's requested for this round. Will this be enough to tide them through and for how long do you think? We expect the funds raised from the rights issue and convertible bonds to extend Singapore Airlines runway for about another two to three quarters. Based on our calculation from its latest quarter financial results prior to the rights issue announcements, the situation, however, remains highly contingent on the COVID-19 developments, although we expect travel demand to gradually recover in the long run. Beyond rights issues, Singapore Airlines could also seek secure funding on its aircrafts. Singapore Airlines also has the option to issue a further $6.2 billion in rights MCBs that is backed by Tamasic as well. According to International Air Transport Association, IATA, global air travel in terms of revenue per kilometre travel began to increase in May, although it is still significantly down compared to pre-crisis levels. As right now, um, travel bans are still rather restrictive. That said, we continue to hold that Singapore Airlines, being a national pride of Singapore, and one of the world's best airlines, will continue to see high possibility of state support at times of need. In mid-July, we saw that Cathay Pacific's shareholders approved the plan for them to raise $5 billion US dollars in a government-backed rescue. So similar to my previous question for Singapore Airlines, is this going to be enough? Especially since Hong Kong's aviation industry already took a hit prior to the crisis, given the protests that were going on. Yes, um, recently last month, Cathay Pacific announced a 39 billion Hong Kong dollar, that is about um, 5 billion of USDs of recapitalization plan through a mixed avenue including issuance of preference shares and warrants and rights issue of rights shares. The price tag of the uh, rescue package was more than its market capitalization of about 35 billion Hong Kong dollars on the 8th of June, just a day before the announcement of the bailout plans. This has actually indicated um, Cathay Pacific's importance to Hong Kong's aviation industry, as such magnificent bailout plan is an unprecedented move for the Hong Kong government to invest directly into the private sector, drawing funds from the land reserves. 5 billion USD is a large amount of money. Is this actually one of the highest bailout packages globally? Well, as more and more airline gets to the verge of collapse, the number continues to grow. Cathay Pacific's $5 billion US dollar package certainly puts it as one of the biggest um, COVID-19 rescue plans alongside with peers like Lufthansa Airways, which is getting $10 billion US dollars in bailout package from the German government. So with the new $5 billion USD that is coming in, how does that change its current debt structure? Is there anything that we should take note of as existing or potential note holders? The bailout plan, other than rights issue, also includes about 20 billion Hong Kong dollars subscription of preference shares and, and 2 billion Hong Kong dollars of warrants by a government-owned vehicle called Aviation 2020 Limited. It will also extend a committed loan facility of about 8 billion Hong Kong dollars to Cathay Pacific Airways. Post the rescue deal, assuming the rights shares are taken up and fully exercised of the warrants, Aviation 2020, which is ultimately owned by the Hong Kong government, will own a 6% stake in Cathay Pacific Airways, with Swire Pacific and Air China, which is their currently um, the biggest shareholders, their shareholding diluting to about 42% and 20% respectively. As with Singapore Airlines, we see the transaction as credit positive for Cathay Pacific because an enlarged equity base lifted by preference shares provided the additional equity cushion for bondholders. 
However, as the pandemic situation continues to evolve, investors will have to remain cautious about external threats coming from the reintroduction of travel restrictions. Especially these days that we have seen in Hong Kong, there has, there has been a very big number of spike in the COVID-19 cases again. So who else is Aviation 2020 Limited helping out? Aviation 2020 Limited is a new entity formed solely for the purpose of this transaction. Right. Aside from the Hong Kong government coming in with, you know, this Aviation 2020 Limited, did the other shareholders like Swai Pacific or Air China try to take the opportunity to increase their shareholdings? Mm, given the situation and the massive economic disruptions that we are seeing these days, Swire Pacific and Air China are actually facing its own struggles, respectively. Especially so for Air China, because it's also in the aviation industry. In my opinion, this move actually very well reflected Cathay's strategic importance to Hong Kong's aviation space. And it's an adequate balance between obtaining financial support and maintaining a, its current shareholding structure broadly unchanged. What were some of the biggest surprises to come through this COVID crisis? Some of the biggest surprises that I have seen is a surge in airline stock prices observed in the early June and again in mid-July, with some of them soaring by as much as more than 10% in a single day from its last traded price. Meanwhile, airlines continue to face external threats from pandemic situation, and airlines such as Delta Airlines have just reported a very steep loss in the second quarter. These are no doubt surprises. While we do agree with the optimism of an eventual rebound in travel demand, we do hope that investors are actually aware of the risk that still lingers around the sector even after COVID-19, such as the usual oil price volatility, the heavy capital expenditures embedded in the industry, and the loss of discretionary income of the retail spaces. And what were some big takeaways for you? We believe the recent financial struggles within the sector is a good and yet another reminder that reveals the industry's very heavy reliance on funding and the fact that airlines are actually flying on very thin operating margins, typically about 3 to 8%. This makes them very vulnerable to external shocks. So the biggest takeaway for investors who are very keen in investing in airlines would be to make really good informed decisions especially having an understanding of the strategic relationship between the government and the airline, if any, during such a critical period. Do you think there will be more fallouts to come? Is there um, a specific region or type of carriers who you think are more susceptible to the COVID implications? Yes, I do think there will be more airlines falling prey to the COVID-19 situation, as far as I've seen. There is just so many airlines sprinting to cost-cutting measures and that will soon prove insufficient. Most airlines are still reporting substantially low flight capacities that are as low as more than 90% down year-on-year. On the radar are airlines that is based in less developed countries, which may have weak sovereign backups. This may include Vietnam Airlines, which has recently announced that they are in a financially difficult situation and is currently asking for government help. What do you see for the airline industry moving forward? As countries are ending their hard travel restrictions and coming out of lockdown, I do see more news on people traveling. And if we use China as an example as the first nation to really come out from the COVID situation, it seems like travel and movement has quickly rebounded. Well, China is giving a glimpse of what demand is like um, in a possibly pan- post-pandemic reality before a vaccine is found. Recovery in aviation will likely occur in a few stages with domestic demand to open first before international travel. 
even with domestic demand, the kind of demand that we see on a pre-crisis level is still very distant. Flying experience is definitely going to be different. One has to undergo several health checks prior to taking a flight and may be required to comply with local health screenings or quarantine requirements. The route to recovery could be in phases and flight experience could also um, change even more significantly. Such changes will continue to have an impact on their top line and earnings, which keeps airline bond yields rising. Surging airline bond yields at the moment are very lucrative and attractive, and in our views, does actually represent a good time to invest. Alright, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for sharing your insights with us, Linda. This was brought to you by Bond Supermart. I'm Sarah Chia, and our guest analyst with us today is Linda Lin from the Bond Supermart team at iFast Singapore. Follow Bond Supermart on Twitter, Facebook, and Telegram to get first-hand updates on new bond issues, credit updates, and special events. For bond information and articles, visit our website, bondsupermart.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.